You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am your host, Alex. I should hopefully be here throughout the entirety of this podcast, but I am here to hopefully give you a little bit more information about different types of sharks, some species you may not have heard of, and also a lot that you probably have. Also, I'm here to try to hopefully tell you a little bit about more shark safety, giving you different things you may not have thought about before, uh, or things that you may have even considered and might get a little bit of a backup on. I also do like to look at different uh, shark headlines, different things that have popped up in either the news or different websites, and try to show how a lot of that can either just be clickbait or be just something to try to get people stirred up and riled up because, of course, one of the cool things you can do is create more fear about sharks, which is frustrating to me. But that's why I try to create this so that way we kind of clear the air of that and hopefully get less of a fear of sharks and more of an understanding and a love for them. But I do want to real quick clear the water, and that pun is in fact intended, because I am not actually a shark expert. Now, I like to say I'm a self-proclaimed shark expert because many times someone can ask me about a species of shark, and I can usually provide a fun fact or two about them. Pretty much that's the extent of it. Now, for this podcast, I do a lot more research. I also do watch a lot of Shark Week and treat that like it is a holiday in my household. So, I like to try to look into different sharks that I don't know about and try to learn new things about them. So usually I can tell people the most about sharks, and whenever anyone has a question about it, they will come to me. I think a great example is half the time someone will send me a video that involves a shark just because they know I like it, and their follow-up question is what species is that, and I can usually name it correctly right off rip. So I do like to get a lot of my information from there. I've gotten my information from a lot of different places, and I will also try to shout them out as they come along because, of course, not all of this just comes from my own brain, but I do try to say where I get my information from as well. Now, with this, there are also over 500 species of sharks. Now, that does not mean that every episode is going to have a brand new shark that you may not have ever heard before and that there's going to be 500 episodes of just completely brand new sharks. A lot of those sharks do fall into other categories where, for example, the hammerhead has nine different categories of hammerhead sharks. The largest one is the great hammerhead, the smallest one is the scalloped. So, of course, there's seven other types of sharks in there. I had to do math real quick. <laughs> but with this, it's going to have seven different other sharks in there that we're not going to dedicate an episode to each one of those because a lot of those are going to overlap. You will find scalloped hammerheads and great hammerheads sometimes sharing the same environment, or at least I think so right now, but when I get to the hammerhead episode, I could find out that that is completely wrong. So, of course, if I do get something wrong, please do not take that as gospel as well. As I mentioned, I am not a shark expert. A lot of sharks also will have to be revisited because if everything goes well and I can do a, an episode on every single shark, that'd be amazing, but of course I'm probably going to learn some new information and get some things wrong, so they may need to be clarified in the future, but we'll see how that goes. So, starting out for this week, the very first shark that we are going to be talking about, which was suggested by my amazing girlfriend, is going to be the zebra shark. Now, starting off, they are a species of carpet shark. So, a carpet shark is just simply a species of shark that tends to live on the floor. Nurse sharks are another type of carpet shark. Now, zebra sharks are usually only about eight feet long, so that's about two and a half meters. 
They mostly are found around the coast of Africa, the east coast of Africa, South Asia, the Philippines, and northern Australia. So usually not over near the United States. They also are not very common to run into because as I mentioned, they're carpet sharks. They're gonna be on the bottom of the ocean or near coral reefs. So you're less likely to be swimming in the ocean and encounter one, although it is still possible because they can go anywhere from depths of down to 250 degrees, but they have been found on the surface before, so they tend to be everywhere, just not too close to shore too often. Now, they also are notably found among the Great Barrier Reef. They do enjoy hanging out there because that's where a lot of their food source is. They mostly are going to feed on scallops and crustaceans and other mollusks, uh, so things like that. They eat, will also eat small fish and snakes, which are going to be found among coral reefs as well. So they're food source tends to not be around humans quite as much either. They tend to like bony fish way more than like um, more cartilaginous fish, I think is the best way to say that. But they're going to enjoy more bony fish, which tend to also not be too close to shore as well. So nurse, er, sorry, zebra sharks are going to tend to be a lot further away from the shore and less likely to be encountered by humans. Now, this is a type of shark that usually lays eggs. Uh, when it comes to sharks, they usually either will do live birth or they will lay eggs. Now, a shark that tends to do live birth is going to be a lemon shark, which we will, of course, touch on in a later episode. Now, typically, they're going to lay eggs, also known as mermaid purses. Uh, there's a good chance if you live in an area that is common to sharks that do lay eggs, you may find mermaid purses that wash up on the beach. Now, they're pretty cool because the egg sac, you can see right through it and see if there's an embryo in it. And if there is, of course, the best thing to do for that is to simply throw that shark back past the wave. Now, when I say throw, I mean you got to get in the water a little bit and hopefully get it past those waves. Don't just try to yeet it into a wave. But you want to try to get it past it so that way that shark can be born eventually. Although, funny thing about mermaid purses as well is that a lot of times, similar to how squirrels cannot find their nuts um, that they bury, the... Uh, a lot of sharks can't get out of the mermaid purse, so it doesn't really help that a lot of sharks are endangered in the way they give birth is that uh, they create an, an egg sac that's way too hard to get out of, but <laughs> here we are. So they typically will lay them, hopefully around uh, the coral reef, and then hopefully currents will not take them away, although sometimes they do. They'll wash up on beaches. You just want to get that past the waves, so that way the current can hopefully take them back and not push them back onto shore. Now, there was... An example, though, according to CNN, is a story where I found this one. There was a female shark, a uh, zebra shark, in an Australian aquarium that laid eggs. And, of course, similar to chickens, sharks can lay eggs that aren't fertilized. But somehow, this shark laid eggs that were, in fact, fertilized. Now, this really confused everyone, and immediately all the headlines read Shark Jesus, which is kind of a funny thought. But it's not actually... <laughs> shark jesus there are actually explanations as to why a shark was able to reproduce asexually in a sense um so this shark particularly she had previously lived in an enclosure with males and it is totally possible that i mean she'd also pupped in the past so she had laid eggs that were in fact fertilized and they had gone on to be born and one of her daughters when she got transferred to a different aquarium also moved with her and had successfully pupped in the past as well. So this shark was very good for the species survival plan, uh, which is also a thing that comes up in zoos and aquariums, so that way they can come together and help to, if a species is endangered and they need to 
have more sharks for education or anything like that, they can get more that are very helpful and help to also eventually reintroduce sharks into the wild if they do eventually go away. But this one here, she was very good at pupping, except for, of course, they don't just want to keep breeding sharks over and over. So when it was time for her to move on to a different aquarium, they moved her over to this aquarium in Australia. And then, of course, she laid a couple eggs that hadn't done anything, and they figured, well, good is good. She doesn't have any males in her enclosure. They're all females. And then she laid some eggs, and they gathered them again and just checked them to be safe and realized that some of them had embryos. So, of course, this could be one case as sharks do have, some sharks do have the ability to store sperm. So if she were to lay a couple batches of eggs that had not hatched and were not fertile, then she could have some in like a reserve area that would inseminate. And then when she laid them, they would in fact produce pups because as a species, their main goal is to survive and recreate. So evolutionarily, they developed a way to do it themselves. Now, there are also very rare cases where sharks who have never pupped uh, never been with a male, have still produced eggs that are fertilized, and they're not entirely sure how that happened, but it is something that has happened in the past, so that's more closer to a Shark Jesus story, but that one, they're not, they're still trying to figure that one out. Now, a lot of things, too, uh, they don't really know about sharks, so once we get to our whale shark episode, for example, there's going to be a lot of things that we don't quite know, understand, and they are my favorite species of shark, so I'll be very excited for that one, but... Of course, with zebra sharks, a lot of them are going to live in solidarity, especially when it comes to carpet sharks. You don't tend to see them all hanging out together. There's not really a safety in numbers type of idea for them. They mostly want to camouflage, and then they want to stay hidden. They don't want to draw attention to themselves by having a large group of them all together, and especially because these sharks are tan with black spots, which I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but they are tan with black spots, so... They tend to blend in very nicely with the coral, but when you have a lot of them together, it tends to look a little interesting, and they blend in with the sand floor, so it's going to go nicely there for them. Uh, but, of course, when they're born, they're black with white stripes, so that way they can move around the coral, and they'll look like just another piece of coral rather than looking like something else. So they want to usually stay solitary and stay camouflaged, but they can be in groups above 250, so they do travel in packs occasionally. Now, they really do not pose any threat to humans. As I mentioned earlier, they can go up to 250 feet under the water, so you don't really encounter them too much unless you're a diver. And even if you are, there are still a couple bites that have occurred. There's only one that was really unprovoked, but they believe it might have been because the diver snuck up on it and it didn't expect it to be there and got spooked and then just kind of bit, but there weren't any injuries, so the diver ended up being okay. Now, the only times that they have bit divers before is when they're being messed with so if someone's pulling on their tail or trying to catch a ride anything like that at that point that's usually when they're going to strike and they're going to bite you a lot of times it's usually something that a human is doing that causes them to be bitten and of course in occasions there's times where someone was just standing and there was a school of fish that they didn't realize and a shark was going for that school of fish and bites them as well so sometimes it happens and we'll talk more about that in species that do tend to hunt closer to the shore now, <clears throat> this is going to be found in a lot of aquariums as well. 
So I live in the Maryland area. I've been to the Baltimore Aquarium many times. And every time I go there, I notice that we have about two to three zebra sharks. And the one that always comes to mind, they show her off on the Instagram all the time, which feel free to follow National Aquarium on Instagram. Amazing. That's also where I get a lot of my information is from uh, the aquarium because I love following aquariums and zoos. They provide a lot of fantastic information as well. But the National Aquarium also has three of those. And one of them is named Zoe, and she is... I think one of the most playful zebra sharks I've ever seen in my life. Um, she likes to just swim around all the time, and she swims absolutely beautifully as well. You can usually see her moving around, especially in the deeper part of the black tip reef that they have in the main area there. And you'll see her just kind of swimming in figure eights, and it, her tail just moves like silk and is one of my favorite species of sharks to just watch swim because it just seems so graceful and just other than when they're laying down, because, of course, they mostly lay on the bottom. But when they are moving, it is just a sight to see. Now, of course, that is what I have for you guys in terms of zebra sharks for this week. Of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me if you have any way to do that. And eventually, I will set out other ways to do that. I'll create an Instagram for this or something at some point. So that way, if you have questions or anything like that, you can still reach out. But we are going to move on to the safety portion of this. And this week, I really wanted to focus on fishing piers. Now, once again, being from Maryland, a lot of times I'll go down to Ocean City and you will see that fishing pier there and everyone wants to take pictures there. And I see everyone posting their pictures on Instagram and Facebook and all the social media because it's a really beautiful picture. And of course, if you're just walking underneath the pier, you have really no issue about getting uh, bitten by a shark or encountering a shark in the slightest because, of course, you're on land. That's a given. But with this, when you're even at a beach in the water, you are very unlikely to encounter a shark. Even if you did, especially in Ocean City where the water's pretty mercury, mercury, murky, you're not going to really notice that one is there. Now, it's kind of hard to see. If you've been to Ocean City, It usually you can't see your feet by the time you're halfway up your shin. It's very, very uh, cloudy in that water, and that doesn't mean it's dirty or unhealthy, that it actually is a very healthy ecosystem Um it has a lot of uh, like plankton and everything like that nearby, and a lot of the fish in the area do feed off of that. And we actually do have about six species that are commonly found around Maryland, but of course, if you go off of other websites, like I know our uh, DNR site has listed up to 24 species that do frequent the area. So we can get quite a few different sharks in Maryland. Now, we do get a couple big ones like the white shark. Now, mind you, as I mentioned earlier, they're not great white sharks, so... It is going to be a pretty large shark, but not quite the huge ones that you'll see out in California or out in Australia. They're going to be a lot smaller, but we do also get hammerheads, uh, thresher sharks. They're pretty big, too. And the ones that you're most likely to encounter are a sandbar shark, which tend to be another type of carpet shark that hang out usually around sandbars. And they're not going to bite you either. Most of the time what happens is someone will step on one. And because sharks have very sharp skin, uh, usually called, um, I want to call it denticles, I believe could be wrong i need to look into that um but i do believe that is what it's called um i'm gonna actually look into that but with this you're going to get uh that sharper skin that when you step on it is going to have a very rough feeling it's just like sandpaper um so real quick i'm actually searching this but <laughs> while it does that let's see there we go so with this it is called Dermal scales, also known as, of course they're not telling me, that's convenient, 
Denticles. I was, in fact, correct. Nice. I doubted myself. But with this, it is, in fact, Denticles. Sorry, I had to look that up real quick or else my brain would get stuck on it for the entire time. But when you step on it, it's very rough like sandpaper. So it's going to usually cut you a little bit, rough you up. It's not going to, of course, cut as bad as a shark tooth would. And they're usually just very curious anyway. Sharks don't really want to eat you. They just kind of want to see what you are and they don't have hands. So it's very hard to hold something when you don't have hands and you got to grab it with your mouth. But unlike a dog, they've got razor sharp teeth and dog's teeth are a lot duller than a shark. So they can usually grab something and figure out what it is. Meanwhile, a shark just kind of grabs you, realizes you taste terrible and tries to spit you out. But your initial reaction is to always pull away. And it's an involuntary reaction. I forget exactly what that reaction is called. Um, but it is a psychological effect where it's a chemical reaction rather than your brain going, oh, nope, got to leave my hand there. As soon as something hurts, your brain immediately or your body just chemically tells you to jump away from it, which causes the pain and the – or not the pain, I, I guess the pain as well, but the uh, injury to become worse. So it's usually that secondary pull away that causes it, but it's very hard to override. So, But with this, going back to what I was talking about, got very sidetracked there, but sharks usually don't – swim very close to shore. The ones that usually do are incredibly small, and even if they bite you, it's going to feel very similar to a different fish doing it. I know I was just down in uh, Clearwater Beach not too long ago, and there was a sheep's head fish that just kept trying to nibble at my foot for some reason, and I don't know why, but he was not giving it a break, and of course my initial reaction was to pull away, and it was funny as all get out to me at first because, of course, I love sharks, but even jumping in the water with a whale shark, my favorite was a terrifying experience. So it's something that, even as someone who really loves sharks, it can be something that is really scary, really just keeps me on edge as well, because although I love them, I do also know that they do have this ability to take a limb off if something goes wrong. So I do usually try to stay vigilant when I'm in the water in any situation. Now, of course, you don't have to worry every single time you go to a beach, because as I just mentioned, many sharks are not going to be near the shoreline there they also don't like a lot of the commotion that goes on so if you're just standing in the water swimming in the water a little bit they're usually not going to come up and be like what's this they'll probably look at you the best thing to do of course if you are actually out swimming is if you do see a shark you're just going to stay vertical and look around stay in one area just kind of stay on that pivot making sure that you do keep the shark in front of you because you want to make sure that it's not going to get too close and of course if it does you just want to push it away, but we'll talk more about that later. So with this, they don't really like the commotion of the beach. It usually scares them off anyway. Sharks are very skittish. Uh, usually you can scare them away yourself. But the main issue is that movies like Jaws have contributed a lot to the just automatic horror that people have and the just big fear of sharks that people have because, of course, they've seen movies like Jaws and it's just a really scary like scene of course when you see them eating all these people and we're going to need a bigger boat because this shark is huge but i mean even great whites only grow to be about 20 24 feet so it's going to be a lot uh smaller than what you like a lot bigger than what you think i guess and it's going to be something that you just need to be careful of because you don't really need to be scared of sharks at that point it's something like this that you see on tv where Every year they talk about how someone got bit and it's a horrible thing and we have to be careful, but we do have to be careful. We don't have to be afraid. Now, because of how much fear has been generated from the movie Jaws, <laughs> Steven Spielberg every year donates a lot of money to shark conservation because of how often people see sharks and kill them because of how afraid they are of Jaws. And 
they'll catch it on a line. They'll be like, well, we can't unhook it or it's going to bite us. You, you can unhook a shark and it'll be okay. You can also cut the hook and it'll be okay, which is why you also should use a circle hook. Um, but I need to look more into that. That's just what I've kind of heard from I forget which source. But with this, when you're at a beach and you see that fishing pier, everyone likes to get that nice picture with it. And they like to be in that area because they think, you know, this is a big landmark. It's going to be a great time. But the issue is that sharks tend to hunt using electronic pulses. So everything has an electronic pulse, of course. Uh, there are certain animals that have different sensors that can pick those up. And sharks have those all in their nose, which is why if you ever touch a shark on the nose, they're, they get sensory overload. And their initial reaction is to like open their mouth and go up. Now, they're trying to figure out what is causing them to do this. So, of course, you're just going to push them. They're going to move away from you because their initial reaction is to pull back. So with that, that's the reaction they always have. Now, using those electronic sensors, they can sense when a fish is in the water. They can also sense when you're in the water, but usually they can tell you're huge and they're not going to go for you. They're going to go for the fish that are nearby. So once again, small sharks by the coast, but even they usually aren't that close to shore. So what they're going to do is use those electronic pulses, and they're going to try to distinguish what an injured fish sound, uh, like sounds like or senses like, and then what a healthy fish does. And if they can sense an injured fish, they're going to go right for that one because it's going to be a really easy meal for them. And pretty much what every shark wants is an easy meal. None of them are looking for a lot of work to do, but they will hunt what they have to. So with this, when they're getting a hooked fish, that fish is making all sorts of electronic pulses that are just screaming, I am injured, come get me, because it's trying to get off the line. Now, while it's doing this as well, it's losing scales, it's secreting hormones, all things that can be picked up by a current as well. And sharks are going to do this. Now, of course, you may be thinking, well, Alex, I'm not going to be swimming 50 feet away from a pier, like out there. If of course, they've got fishing lines there. I'm not going to swim through their fishing lines. So <clears throat> if that's your thought, then fantastic. That is a very good thought to have. Most people are not going to be swimming at the end of the fishing pier. What I'm mostly talking about is to the sides of that fishing pier, because once again, you're still thinking, I'm still not going to swim that far out. But you may notice that there are a lot of currents in the ocean. Now, conveniently in Ocean City, we get a lot of rip currents, so most of these things get pushed out to the sea. You're not in a lot of danger. But you do also have a little bit of a chance that the current's going either north or south. And in that case, all that, like the hormones, all the scales, all the electronic pulses, all that kind of gets sent out more down current. So you can usually tell which way the current's going anyway because the waves tend to break either left or right. And usually you can also feel, well, if there is a rip current going, it does kind of tend to pull more to one side than the other. So you usually will get feel like you're getting pulled out a little bit. But also you'll notice that you get more of the feeling that it's going either to the right or the left. So you should just kind of focus on which way that current is going and making sure that you're not swimming down current of the fishing here because of course smaller fish are going to start feeding on all those scales and all those hormones that are being released and then bigger fish are going to show up to try to eat them and then bigger fish also include sharks so you should be mostly good of course there are some instances where a shark's going to be there so just always make sure you're staying vigilant and make sure that you're just not letting yourself get caught up in the beauty of what's around you because i do agree the beach is absolutely beautiful very fun place to be but it's just something that you need to make sure you're being aware of because if not, you could end up getting bit and that's just a horrible situation that I hope no one has to go through. Now, of course, very unlikely. I want to point out once again, if even if a shark is swimming around you, you probably won't know it. 
And even if you're on the beach, just standing in the waves, more than likely there is not a shark swimming around you because they usually don't want to be in the waves either. You sometimes will see a beach shark. Now, of course, we get nurse sharks that wash up on shore occasionally, and you usually see people, you'll see videos of people dragging that shark right back over the waves and it swims off and they don't get bit. So, as you can see, sharks aren't just horrible, vicious creatures. There's a lot of times where people are able to save them after they have washed up on shore. So, if you do happen to see that, my phone fell out of my pocket. That was cool. But if you do happen to see that, then of course, see if you can help. If you can't, then hopefully someone else can just try to keep getting water on its gills and it should be all right. But they do sometimes get swept up by the waves. Now, of course, that is going to be the shark safety portion of our podcast today. And last but not least, that brings us to the shark news. Now, of course, this is currently in September, so not quite the time that everyone is going to be running down to the beach. But every year around May, June, July, that's when we start seeing about a million and a half stories that involve horrible shark does horrible thing. Monster shark attacks poor innocent child. Uh, Everything like that. Now, one thing I do always men- mention, or that I do mention to all my friends at least, or probably will mention a million and a half times during this podcast, sharks cannot attack. An attack involves having malice behind it, and once again, sharks are not evil creatures. They're just confused, and they're curious, and they want to know what you are, and they don't really know, and they just have a mouth. They don't have, like, their fins can't hold you. They can't figure out what you are, so they have to grab you in, your, in their mouth, and even when they do that, they usually don't grab you because they don't know what you're capable of. So they don't know if you're going to sit there and kill them automatically if you even get too close. So they're usually pretty skittish around humans, but if they're brave enough to get close enough, all you have to do is push them away. You should be all right. So every time that I hear that a shark has bitten someone and I see it as a bitten, I think that's the right word. But anyway, if you see that it's as an attack, it's not an attack. Usually it wasn't trying to go after someone. You very rarely see it go in and attack someone there. I think the... Um, best one I've ever seen. I believe the journalist is Paul DeGelder, one of my favorite uh, shark experts that shows up on Shark Week every year. And you can show, there's actually video of his shark, and he even laughs when he calls it an attack, because he was uh, doing uh, some sort of exercise in the water for, I forget which branch of the military, and a shark came and bit him and got his arm and leg. And he said he felt the one bite and the second bite, and they were able to recover it, but they couldn't reattach it, I believe. And even in that moment, he was saying that he was just caught up because he saw the school of fish swim by him, and the shark was going after it and went to grab him and grabbed him instead. So he was like, it was a simple mix-up, and he still dives and shows up on every shark week every year. And it just, I think, is the perfect example of how a shark doesn't attack. It, It didn't mean to attack him. It went to attack the fish. It went to eat them because it was looking for a meal, and that's what sharks do. So they're not ever actually looking to get you. Now, with this, there's one big thing that happened. Uh, There's two big stories I want to talk about. First one is that there's a whole lot of sharks that showed up in Massachusetts this year. Um, This one is going to come from NBC, uh, mostly. NBC Boston, to be exact. But they were talking about how uh, this came out about a month ago, so back in August uh, or late July, somewhere in that range. But they were talking about how they have seen a lot of sharks, a lot more than usual. They saw over 20 sharks this past summer, uh, white sharks to be exact, not great whites. Once again, we don't really get those on the East Coast, but we do get white sharks. And they saw them in the area, 
and then they immediately had to close down the beaches, uh, put up their purple flags uh, that lets people know that if you go to a beach that uses flag singles, uh, signals, that the purple flag means that there has been a vicious animal in the area, so orcas, uh, sharks, if you're in other parts of the world, alligators, crocodiles, things like that. Uh, so any vicious type of animal, or aggressive type of animal, I should say, uh, comes out like that. Now, it was really interesting because typically they see well under 15 white sharks in a summer, but this year apparently the seal uh, population in the area was up, and that brought more sharks into the area because, of course, as we all know, when there's more food somewhere, the animals are going to go to where that food is, and if the eating's good in Massachusetts, then more sharks are going to show up. Now, this was worrisome, though, because every time they saw a shark, they had to close the beach, and this was about a month long of just sharks showing up and not being able to use the beach. Now, do I personally think that they needed to close the beach to keep everyone safe? Absolutely not. Once again, I'm not a shark expert, so there could be experts that say as soon as you see the sharks, get out of the water and get off the beach. Now, I agree to get out of the water. I don't think it's very smart that if you see a shark, just keep hanging around and try to get closer to it. All my friends joke that I would love to run into the water and go pet a shark if I could. Would I love to pet a shark? 100%. Would I want to pet a shark that I can see in the wild? Maybe, but most likely I'm not going to sprint into the water after it because I know that that thing is most likely hunting and I do not want to get caught up in what it is hunting after. So I'm going to try to not get bit. If I ever do, I guarantee I'll be like, oh, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But everyone's response is always to close the beach. Now this makes sure that you create a 0% chance that anyone is going to get bit as long as they follow the rules. Now, of course, there's other beaches that do it very differently, which we'll look at in the next story. Now, they usually don't go after people. It's usually an accident. They're usually just going after the fish around you, as in the case of Paul de Gelder there. But they really don't want to do that. They usually are just going after prey. And if you can stay away from their prey, so if you're seeing sea lions, or see, they don't eat sea lions, seals, <laughs> or uh, anything else that, like, seals are usually the big prey of white sharks, if you can stay away from them, you're usually pretty good. Or if you see a certain prey of sharks, like for example, uh, usually you get sharks that go after tuna. If you see a school of tuna, don't swim through it. It's just going to be safer for you because if you get a bait ball going, which is what sharks and dolphins tend to do. So if you ever go to the beach and see all of a sudden what looks like the water is kind of boiling a little bit away from the shore, it's usually a bait ball and dolphins or sharks have stirred those fish up so they can gather them all together and then just swim through and eat them makes it a bit easier kind of like when um that school of fish and finding nemo kept making the shapes except for the fish usually don't make shapes they usually just make a giant fish tornado and then they just get eaten until the shark's full or whatever else is full but it usually is uh, i mean tuna also like to stir up bait balls so it's possible that you get any of those now with this i do believe that earlier this summer someone did get bit uh up in massachusetts i'm not exactly sure i was having trouble finding that story but I do believe that people have gotten bit, and of course immediately there were headlines everywhere that said shark attack. And once again, if you're in a seal population and they're all around, they found multiple seals floating out there. So sharks that weren't big enough to take out the whole seal, but were able to get chunks out of it and kill it, they're going to be able to take chunks out of you as well. So just make sure you're always vigilant no matter where you are in the water, and just make sure that you're not going to go out and try to pet the shark either. That's a really terrible idea. But just make sure that you're being vigilant. You're not staying near their prey 
or if you see their prey, just try to go in a different direction. Um, I can tell you that uh, when I was in Ecuador years ago, now this is just true of any sort of predator, there were sea lions all over the place, and they were gorgeous. Loved seeing them. I was probably the happiest I've been <laughs> in a while on uh, just out in Ecuador, just snorkeling. It was amazing, but there was a sea lion pup that just kept swimming around us, and we were like, this is so cool. Like We're hanging out. We're kind of following it. But, of course, since we're snorkeling, we're kind of halfway under the water, and we don't hear Mama Sea Lion losing her mind at us. Um, and I remember finally, like, the tour guide just grabbing my calf and just, like, ripping me backwards uh, and then, like, pretty much being like, you're about to die if you keep doing this. Like, stop. So pretty much in that moment, I was like, oh, this is so neat and so fun and so great. Um, when in reality, I was just trying to tempt the mother sea lion to come maul me, and that was a really bad idea. So he finally like grabbed all of us and was like, "Stop!" Like we all grabbed each other and was like, "All right, get out of here." So it was one of those situations where it's like we didn't know about sea lions. Like we all came from the east coast. We don't get a lot of sea lions here. Like other members of the group had seen seals and were like, "Oh yeah, they're usually pretty skittish and stay away." But this sea lion was really, really uh, curious about us, and we were really curious about it. And we all tried to come together. We almost died. So one of those situations where it wasn't the best idea. So of course, if you see this beautiful school of fish, you're gonna go, oh, I wanna go closer to it. But what you don't know is that what might be going closer to it on the other side is a shark trying to get a meal. So just be careful in no matter what situation you're in. Now, the next one that we're gonna talk about as well is the situation in Clearwater Beach where a video came out on TikTok of a great hammerhead shark fighting some sort of prey very close to shore. I want to say about 20, maybe 30 feet off. So very, very close to shore. Uh, the thing that is kind of concerning about this one is that a great hammerhead can grow pretty much at minimum 12 feet long. So a fully mature great hammerhead will go anywhere between 12 and 18 feet. Now that is a massive shark to be 30 feet off the beach. I know that just contradicted everything I just said earlier in the podcast, but this is a very rare situation. The only other place that it is guaranteed that you will find great hammerheads is usually in the Keys, uh, the Florida Keys. That is where you're going to find great hammerheads constantly. Anytime there is any sort of documentary on Shark Week about great hammerheads, they are always in the Florida Keys on certain bridges because the hammerheads love to hang out there. So the hammerheads like more shallow water, but typically they're going to hang out in the Gulf or far out. So any of the ones that are near Maryland, we don't really get great hammerheads anyway, but they're going to spend most of their time way out past the drop-off, way out in the Atlantic Ocean. So they're not going to be anywhere near us. Now, this is a really scary video, especially because you could see essentially the whole shark come out of the water. And by the whole shark, I mean you could see where its dorsal fin started. So you could see its back, and that is about half of the shark for most people. Now, for me, you can't see the head. You can't see the stomach. I've seen other sharks breach. I'm not impressed. I am impressed, but I, I love that shark. Anyway, but with this, it was a very, like, aggressive attack. Now, whatever it was going after had some size to it, and what it was biting was not a human. So that shark did not attack a human. Uh, it went after a fish. Now, we don't know if it got that fish, but it definitely happened there. And the crazy thing to me is that the entire time you're watching the video, there's one lady who is still standing about waist deep in the water, just not moving. And I'm hoping it's because of she was just stuck in fear. But that is a very dumb thing to do, in my opinion. Now, this kind of goes back to the joke I said earlier where my friends are like, 
oh, everyone's going to run, like, Alex is going to be the first one to run to the water and go grab that. Like, absolutely not. That shark is in hunt mode, and I am getting the heck out of the water because I am not trying to get bit. So it's not very dangerous situation because although it is close to shore and it's hunting, it's not hunting humans once again. So it's going after fish. Now, the thing about Clearwater Beach, though, is that there are a lot of fish that come very close to shore. Now, most of them are very small. And hammerheads typically aren't going after big fish. They're typically going after any rays that they can get their hands on or their mouths on, I should say. Um, they're going after mollusks that are buried under the sand. They're going after crustaceans. So the typical diet of a hammerhead is not going to be very small fish close to shore. They're usually not going to do that. So they're going to usually wait for the fish that are eating those small fish to go back out to the deeper waters where they're going to eat them there food chain it's awesome but with this it was absolutely crazy and florida is one of those states that will not really close the beach so they did not close clearwater beach you could go back in they didn't even make everyone get out of the water um that lady stayed in there the entire video and then even after the shark disappeared it she was still there now i'd of course recommend getting out of the water for at least half an hour now i don't know if that's actually a good time frame i was actually thinking about this a lot um this is the one thing i didn't really look in quite as much because i also know that there are many and when i say many i mean many experts that will have very different opinions on how long you should wait until after you have spotted a shark to get back into the water because some will say you can wait five minutes and be good some will say you don't even have to get out now some will say stay home, just don't, go pack it up, you're done at the beach for the day. I say just do your own research, figure out what species of sharks are around you and what other experts say as well, because of course I don't want you to take everything that I am saying as the end-all be-all. I'm hoping it piques your curiosity, you want to get a little bit more information about it. There's plenty of shark podcasts out there as well, um, and I definitely recommend doing that as like, just too, just to make sure you can add on. Now another thing to point out is that great hammerheads, are very easy to spot so especially now that lady that i was kind of just roasting she was standing there the entire time but with how far out the shark was you could still see its entire fin now it does have a, you can identify great hammerheads based on their long narrow dorsal fins so they're going to come out kind of look like a, a scythe that kind of comes out of the water so they're very easy to notice and they're very hard to sneak up on you they cannot really do it especially if you're in like waist deep water their whole fin's going to be off the water, so you're going to see them coming right at you. Now, with this, they also are one of the easiest sharks to redirect because most sharks, you got to try to figure out the right way to redirect them by pushing them like on the side of their face or something like that. A hammerhead shark has that huge nose in the front there. That's where all their sensors are, and as soon as you touch that, they're immediately going to start pulling away, and you can just kind of push them away from you. So you can literally just grab them and like move them and then move your hand, and you'll be fine. But... I mean, something like that. So it's very easy to redirect a great hammerhead shark as well as any hammerhead shark. And pretty much every shark, we they get people that have never touched a shark. They get them to immediately redirect them in a controlled environment. So you have that ability to do it. Uh, it just kind of takes, I mean, I, I'd say it takes a little bit of practice, but I don't even, I've never done it myself either. But from what I've seen, it is incredibly easy to move sharks away from you and get them to not come at you so you just have to stand your ground in the water but also realize that if there's a shark in the area you probably shouldn't try to tempt it and tempt fate just best case scenario always just get out of the water if you are unsure so 
with this, they're not really going to sneak up on you that easily. Now, those, of course, are the two stories that I had for this week. Of course, if anyone wants me to talk about any other types of sharks, if you have any questions about sharks, or if you have any just new stories you've seen that you want either further clarification on or my take on or anything like that, I am very happy to look at them. If everyone wants to hear more, I am very happy to do this again and again. So please let me know what you guys thought. Uh, Thank you for listening, and hopefully I will see you on the next one. All right, take care.